that I think would have a much greater impact and appeal to people if it's good stuff, you know, and I've been writing for years. I mean, so I'm thinking about dumping, I mean, I hate to go in debt, but I'm thinking about finishing my little collection to where I have uh, a full studio. And then, you know, the only thing I really need is a, I don't know if you're familiar with Helix, the guitar processor. Yeah. Um, just something like that, that I can, uh, that has all the modeling and the amps and everything built in. So you can just, you don't need anything. You don't even need to mic it to record it, you know? So I've got the program. I've got my keyboard right here, my MIDI keyboard. I've got all the shit I could possibly need, except a really good, uh, you know, processor like that, that has all the bells and whistles. So I'm thinking about, thinking about. That's, I think, I mean, I gave up music to do this pretty much. And I, I really want to get back to it, especially now with the wisdom, the, the wisdom, you know, when you start forgetting details and you just know things because you once knew the details, that's wisdom. (laughs) And you can't really say the details anymore, you know? That sounds great, actually, because then you can bring some joy into your work <laughs> well plus i mean there's so many people out there like yourself Shali in 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 uh, philly is fantastic guitar player i'm a songwriter myself so i'm i don't say i'm a great guitarist but i can sure write a song and i i'm a sound designer post post-production so give me the song once it's done i can make it sound wonderful once it's done you know and so it's like all the talent i i think about all out there what a great way to get people together. Now you can even do it digitally, you know? So. Yeah, actually I was so interested in this as a tangent that I just did a rolling start on our episode here. So uh, to introduce Clint real quick, we'll kind of get to that, but he's Clint, you've been here with us a couple of times in some of the most amazing episodes. So what I'm thinking though, about you getting into music is how in a few years I'd like to see you performing at some because here's what I think about music that has a huge power is that it can draw a crowd and you can have multiple. It doesn't even have to be all protest music, just music that actually has feeling and emotion to it as well. Something that's not about uh, my dog left and my wife cheated on me and my truck broke down and I'm going to go hunting or whatever. Like, And of course, rap music, as you were talking about before I hit the recording, you know, we all see what mainstream music has been reduced to and yeah yeah, you could draw a crowd it could be other things there like what i love about some festivals i've been to is they'll have permaculture courses and yoga instruction and the gamut of things that are really good things and then on top of that the music that's there is drawing the crowd so there's so much synergy if we're actually bringing our the creativity that brings us joy to the table and not just the not just the knowledge and the wisdom, but kind of marrying those two things together has a huge impact on an open mind that might wander into it without a lot of, you know, experience in one thing or another. And what makes a really good song, in in my opinion, is one that means something different to each person who listens to it. And then you can, of course, take part of it and say, what does he mean when he says that? What, what is that referring to? Right. If I mentioned, say, Icarus in a song, what's Icarus? Who's Icarus? What, what, what does that mean? To, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I, I think, and, and 
you know, imagine people actually speaking about a, a, the lyrics of a song instead of just, you know, the <laughs> instead of just uh, basically bobbing your head like a bobblehead and not getting anything from the music. Even I mean, some of this rap music is it's so well done. It's genre, but it's just it doesn't do anything to me here. It's just, it's just like, you know, it's like taking something I say, pressing, you know, fast forward or, or, you know, you're, you're playing it faster and putting a beat on it, but it doesn't really, and it rhymes, but it doesn't do anything to the soul in my personal experience. Maybe, maybe other people have, have a different opinion there or a different feeling, but it just doesn't do anything for me. And that's what I think is, really missing is um it's like the music isn't experiential anymore in other words you're not you're not singing from experience you're not singing from the heart you just you're trying to rhyme or you're trying to do something that just it just doesn't elevate you know and that's what i think is really 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 missing and uh i think it would benefit the you know what again what do you call it the alternative side of of things people who are at least aware of what's going on i think it would benefit us all if there were some good bands out there that were you know the old school playing gigs and you know i mean at this point you could set up with battery power in a park or someone's land right you don't need permission to to congregate or to assemble you just need private land and you know, kind of like they used to set up those old, uh, yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen Elmer Gantry or any of those, you know, you've seen those old revival type of uh, uh, the the evangelists would go, they'd set up a big circus tent and they'd, they'd preach, right? Wouldn't that be awesome to do with us? A traveling freaking tent show, a big circus tent. You don't, again, all you need is someone willing to allow people on their land, like Woodstock, for instance, right? Like anything, you don't have to follow. You don't have to hire a union guy for your sound, and you don't have to do all this. You, The technology has caught up to the point where you don't need all that anymore, and that's what I'm talking about to where what I do in my studio I can reproduce because it's the same exact sound coming out of my uh, effects processor or my keyboard or whatever, my vocals. And man, I just really feel like that's the, if we don't go in that direction into a more artistic direction, like you said, then we're just gonna, we're just gonna pretty much die out where it's because it's just noise at this point. We're just talking over and over and there's nothing happening. That's been my biggest complaint, my biggest pet peeve about this whole thing is that we're we're a group that talks a lot. But over the years, I've not seen anything done about it. Just like when something's reported on the news, I don't see any action happening. Just, hey, he should be impeached or, hey, he should be in trouble or, hey, but nothing ever happens. No one ever gets in trouble. No one's no one knows enough about the legal system to sue or to, you know, create a dossier. You know, nine 11 is a good example. You can't just turn in a bunch of YouTube videos to, you know, third hand evidence to the FBI and expect them to, you know, you know, you have to create a first hand uh, uh, documentary evidence that 
has a chain of custody and a chain of evidence and all the follow all the rules of court procedure, and then you might actually get somewhere. But we think that by talking about it and not doing anything about it, never going to court, that something's actually going to get done. And it just, <laughs> I guess I'm tired of it. I guess, I guess I've done it long enough now that I, you, you, you just, you know, nothing's going to change unless we change, I think, into a more artistic, you know, I don't know what the right word is, but you get, I think you're getting what I'm saying. We have to put something more into this. And I think music has proven itself to be an extremely powerful tool when there's some sense of freedom attached to it and some sense of artistic freedom, you know, I don't know. It's hard to, hard to put it into words, which is why I love music. <laughs> I totally agree, my man. I, when I have the support that I've got money to invest into things, I'm going to be creating events like this. It, one of the issues with our community that causes us not to congeal too is disagreements over things that we don't need to actually be antagonistic to each other just because we disagree about it. Like the, just right now, this weekend, um, whatever day today is the 26th or something. Yeah. There's an, in North Carolina, an Equinox festival that is totally geared towards truthers, but some people might not go to it because the organizers are in the flat earth camp. But that doesn't mean there are going to be people there. They're going to have information about all kinds of incredible modalities. And I know uh, my friend Jason Langren of Secrets and Secrets of Saturn and Crow Triple Seven. He has an actual band that will be performing there. So, and then there's all kinds of underground uh, occurrences of this with like the uh, sort of nomadic rainbow tribes of North America that have secret sort of secret get togethers on private land throughout the year and kind of like traveling gypsy caravans. But I do think that that's the direction because what you're, I think what you're hitting on is that music has the, and, and art has the ability to initiate a flow state. So whenever people get on podcasts and we're just kind of regurgitating facts and information back and forth, there's a, there's a little bit of a mechanistic left brain bent to that that doesn't always engage the flow state in someone listening or even in the people having the conversation. And that's the one of the best ways to feel freedom is to be in a flow state, whether it's while you're playing guitar or painting a picture or, or uh, dancing in front of the stage, whatever the case may be. Those flow states give us a really good energy that then gets kind of associated with whatever's around and whatever what we are doing with the flow state. So we could we can form much tighter knit communities. We can share very relevant skills and information with each other through intentionally gathering more and doing more actually out in the world and not just on the internet. So well, I think the I think totally the, right. I think the trick of it all is the same. And I'm convinced that the model that I took up years ago and continue to put forward is the model that must uh take place which is to keep you know again you say there's a a big uh, uh you know happening happening right now and you know i've i've held conference i put on a great conference but like you said i couldn't get anybody to attend that's the problem because hey here's this guy who disagrees with this guy and this this false paradigm and this false dialectic says i well, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put my name on the same roster as those people and da 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 
But see, if you kept money, if you kept commerce, which is the whole thing we're trying to get away from in the first place, believe it, you know, if you understand true freedom, you understand there's no money involved in freedom. There's no credit. There's no debt. There's no commerce. It's charity. It's love. It's forgiveness. It's all the things that we're supposed to be doing for and on behalf of each other. We're not doing that because we're so involved in commerce. We're so involved in, you know, just like me, I'm saying I'm have to go in debt to acquire the 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 the, the uh, equipment that I would need to produce really good music, and I want to do that. But but I mean, think about how that takes even that spiritual level, and now I'm down again because now I'm in debt. I've I haven't been in debt in my whole life because I understood it at a young age. I understood it was designed to enslave. So I have to take my spirit down the level in order to possibly bring it back up and sell records. Well, I say, no, I say, I say, I'm going to do exactly what I do with all of my work. You got to make a choice. I think you got to say, what's the point? What's the purpose behind your work? What's the purpose? What's the intent? Is it to make money? Is it to make a profit? Is it to copyright it? Is it to say no one else can play my music unless you get my permission? Is it, or is it, I want people to hear my music. Therefore, I'm going to say, look, it's free. You don't owe me anything. If it brings joy and happiness, maybe enlightens you. Maybe it does something for you. Great. You want to, you want to pass some money my way. Great. But there's no obligation. You don't have to do that. That's not the point behind the music. And so I'm sitting here going, would I rather give it away free, have no royalties attached to it, wouldn't really even need a copyright because it's self-evident. It's already out there. Uh, just a poor man's copyright, right? And your <laughs> is your point to get your music heard, or is it to make money off of a product? Have you, in fact, killed your song by copywriting it and doing this and doing that? Or... Wouldn't it be better to say, hey, this song, do with it what you will. Remake it, whatever you want to do. Get it out there. Let people hear it. Give them give them the music. Play it at cover band shows. Play it. At, hey, here's an idea. Why won't radios, you know, radio stations used to, used to go to a radio station, give them your demo, and they'd play it, and they'd make it into a hit. Why don't they do that anymore? Because of all the royalties and everything that's attached to it. What if I went to a radio station and I said, look, this is public domain, purely, absolutely, 100% free. Uh, if you like it, play it. You don't owe me anything. I don't owe you anything. It's just it's just a, an exchange of love. Could that change things? Could that, if we stopped attaching everything that is important to us and that, that makes us feel to the monetary system, which is obviously you don't own your money. You know, none, the money in your pocket is not yours. It's property of government. They can take it at any time. It's there's nothing substantial, nothing permanent about money. So if we bypass that and we started having these open concerts, I could set up at a field, my my battery powered silent generator will power my amp and the drums don't need a, a power and the you know the same thing can go through the singer can go through my amp and maybe wouldn't that be fantastic just to put on a free 
And when I say free, I don't just mean monetarily free. I mean Woodstock kind of free, that kind of freedom, if you will, that that we ha- we don't. It's what we're looking for. In other words, we're doing what it is that we're looking for, which is to freely assemble, to be not bound by any, uh, you know, again, unions and all the rules and everything. To be on private land, someone, some, so, so. In other words, you, you know, you can't. Uh, you're not renting out a venue, or you're not. You, there's no money involved whatsoever. So everything is charitable. Everything. No, you know, you want to set up a booth, great. Information only, no no commerce. Can you imagine how that would feel? How that would be? No pressure, no things to buy. Sure, you can hand out cards and say that, you know, my book or my my product or whatever. But imagine a place that's purely there for you to love one another, to experience the music, to actually be able to for just a moment exist outside of the matrix outside of the system i think that is worth a million dollars i think it's worth that one moment of just feeling like you're with like-minded people and free now i don't mean equinox or my my conference was called axiom because that's you know self-evident truth or this and meanwhile here we're going to sell you this we're going to sell you this no, I mean true freedom. And there's, like I said, money is not involved in freedom. It's just, I'm sorry. But that's what we have to start turning to because the only way you're going to get a, away from this system out of the matrix is to stop using its main product, which is its money, its currency. If you don't do that, if you don't feel like you can do that, you might as well make your home make your nest and profit and pay your taxes and do everything else. But if you're really looking for freedom, you know, you have to leave it. You have to leave that Babylonian structure. I'm sorry. That's is it's really self-evident once you, once you get to the point where you understand that everything is designed to keep you in the system, you know? So I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm sounding like a hippie or something, but <laughs> I just, I don't see any other options for us. It's either we revolt and probably get killed or we practice peace and love and charity. And therefore the law can't touch us because the law can't touch those things. That's the whole point. The law does not touch moral action. You have to act immorally in order to be under the law. The law is for criminals. We're all criminals, institutionalized. We don't even realize it. So that's my take on the on the situation. Revolution. <laughs> I hope that somebody out there can give you a heads up on some kind of gathering like you're describing that they know about, because I do know that they exist. I mean, down to the letter of what you're describing, where commerce is not an option in these like pop-up gatherings. Uh, I've heard them called rainbow gatherings. I haven't been to one before. Of course, the big uh, Burning Man festival, they seem to operate that way, but they still charge you a ticket price to get there. So How about it's like this? fake. It's like a fake gift economy. Exactly, exactly. How about this? No title. <gasps> what would you do? Well, what do you do? It, it doesn't have a title? 
So I'm not going to the Phoenix Festival. I'm just going to a place to commune with people. What? Whoa! Isn't that a new concept? No flattering title. No commercial title. That's what I'm saying, man. These things, they don't have to be complicated with that type of commercial, you know, product placement and thought. It yeah, can man, be just as the simple. fact that we have to simulate the natural way that humans would mingle and interact. We have right. to simulate that with festivals and events. That is a symptom of the dis- disassociation we have from ourselves and from nature in- innately. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I'm, <laughs> like you said, I've done this long enough to, to have garnered the wisdom and the understanding, the experience to see the whole thing for what it is. And I just can't stress enough that they're the only way to get out of this thing that we're all in is to stop playing the game, right? To, to stop being that little piece in the monopoly board and say, okay, Let's close up the monopoly board and not participate in it anymore, and let's uh, you know get back to uh, get back to our inherent nature. You can't have inherent rights unless you're acting in your inherent nature, right? We talked about personhood and all that that goes along with the straw man identity thing. You're acting as something you're not. So how could you ever hope to be a free man if you're acting as an enslaved person? It's not going to happen. Yeah, man, commerce is just disguised warfare for sure. But okay, so this has been a really interesting topic to start out on, unexpected, <laughs> but this is a, a really, I'm, I'm really with you on this. Like, that's why I kept going on this vein, because this is uh, what I see as the biggest problem too, that we can't even gather without, I hadn't quite thought of it with, about the title aspect, but of course you're right. Like we need to give it a title and we can't just have like, free land that is a space for people to act freely you know but we we i think we can get there and i think it's good that that's the direction that you're focused on and bringing the uh flow state of music into your life more is gonna i think help draw you towards a lot of good people and good things it's a great idea but i did have an agenda i wanted to talk about your favorite subjects (laughs) today your very favorite stuff and People should know, like, let's first of all, we should have done this at the very beginning, but let's give people a rundown of some of the uh, recent documentaries that you've made. Don't worry about what words you do and don't use. We're just going to go go for it. But uh, the the ones that have come out this year and last year, the uh, really big stuff. Let's go ahead and introduce those. And then we're, I'm going to start working us through some of the key points that people, if they don't take the time to watch the documentary, should at least come away with you know, vocab words like gain of function and dual use, really joyful material here. Mm. Yet, uh, you know, you're talking, <laughs> you t- well, I'll get to that. But uh, 2011, I made Lethal Injection, which is called Lethal Injection, the Story of Vaccination. And it goes through the history of, of more modern history of vaccination. Um explains why we're so sick and so diseased showing in fact that a big part of that is is how they and this is very important to the whole narrative how they went to and this was actually government let me start over here i only go to primary sources okay i don't 
for instance, go and take a radio show or something that, uh, you know, that uh, is secondhand understanding. I'm either in the patents or the financial reports, the audits, or I'm in the, you know, whatever the primary source is on a subject. So I found government documentaries that were that were about the polio vaccine and how they did all this stuff. And when you see what they call the clean rooms back in the 50s, right? Um, 40s and 50s. And what government is making documentaries. Cut out for a moment there. What did, what did they call the rooms? Oh, clean rooms, right? So by today's standard, what would be a clean or a sterile environment, right? It's just a joke. One instance, for instance, is, you know, they put a monkey kidney tissue into a test tube and then basically scrunch it up into little pieces and they call that and then put it in cheesecloth and strain it and you know it, it, that's basically what they're shooting into people's bodies what they do is they add that into a fluid and then the vaccine or the uh the as the cell substrate and then the whatever is the vaccine is for in this case polio will grow on the the mediated substance right and they add all these chemicals and all these vitamins and nutrients to make it grow. Then they collect the viral material that grows inside of these, you know, tubes. And this is all shown how they used to do it. Not much has changed, except it's a little more sterile now. And, um, and then they shoot it into you, right? So one of the big premises, one of the big things to understand is that almost all disease especially autoimmune disease, which is where your body fights its own functionality, is caused by you being injected with animal proteins, DNA, RNA, like the current vaccine, etc. Where, for instance, if you want to sterilize, uh, the way they sterilize horses and humans, but they've had high success, 90% success rate in sterilizing wild horses here in America. All you have to do is, you know, get some microscopic uh, ovaries from a pig. So you, you take the ovary from a pig, which is a sexual or germ oriented, you know, the germline. It's what they call that, the sexual reproduction cells. And uh, you mince it up. And you inject it into a body. And when the body sees a pig ovary, it says, hey, that's a foreign object. But because pigs are so similar to humans, well, uh, you get autoimmune disease, meaning my antibodies go and they start, and the whole system attacks this, this, this foreign, uh, you know, substance, foreign protein cells. And can't then distinguish between my own so if i want to sterilize a horse i or a human and these are patented you know vaccines i just inject pig ovary porcine zona pellicida is the official name scientific name um and you will have either a temporary or a long-lasting sterility it'll attack spermatogenesis it'll spec uh, attack the hairs on the on this on the egg or the sperm it'll it'll do it for both male and female so this is just one example 
of uh, the the real reasons that vaccines cause so much damage. Now, you, you prop open a vaccine pamphlet, it'll tell you right there, we cannot filter out the DNA and proteins used to grow as cell substrates to grow the vaccine material on. In other words, we cannot separate the animal or the human aborted fetal tissue that we use to grow the vaccine on once it's in the final project. So you're getting that product. So you're getting that injected into you. And that is going to cause you all kinds and has caused us all kinds of problems. Pretty much every modern disease, diseases that didn't exist, you know, long ago, especially dementias and stuff like that, all caused from, you know, whatever ingredients they're using in these vaccines. It could be cow, blood, it could be, you know, mice, hamster, all these different things. These, your body recognizes them as foreign and then starts attacking your own because they're so similar. And that's called autoimmune disease. That's arthritis, for God's sake. You gotta, I have arthritis, no doubt, because I, you know, I have an autoimmune disease, celiac disease. People think it's because of bad bread or because of GMO. No, it's an autoimmune disease. It's because you've been injected with something similar to some enzyme or something that's supposed to break down the food, and it attacks it, so you cannot metabolize uh, there's so many different autoimmune disease, lupus, and all these different things that are simply your body has been reprogrammed from the, the RNA, DNA, or proteins, and the, the response that your body has to the point where it attacks itself. Give me one, mother, one more example, squalene. Squalene is said to be one of the most insidious biological weapons ever created by those that study it, it's the cause of Gulf War syndrome. Okay. What's, squalene, it, used, what's it supposedly used for? Squalene is for, for, for lack of a better explanation, it's like the lubrication for your joints. So it's like the oil for your car. Imagine running your car without sufficient oil. What happens, right? You throw a rod, you have all kinds of issues. Nothing's lubricated and you start grinding everything because You've injected it, which is usually squalene from a shark. So if I go to a, a, a store, a supplement store, I can buy squalene. I can eat it. I'm fine. It's a supplement. But if I inject it, I bypass all the, the protective barriers, and it goes right into this, this right through to the place where it will, will be recognized as a, a foreign agent, and the body will have an immune response right it sees the squalene it says oh hey that's that's shark squalene but it looks so similar to my own that i'm going to start developing antibodies developing an immune response to all of the squalene in my body right so you're having all these natural things that are happening inside you being attacked now as foreign invaders basically all right this is where allergies, peanut allergies, and all this, this the whole spectrum of allergies. Why? Because you're injecting peanut oil into your system. So when you eat a peanut, you have a massive overreaction or what they call a, similar to a cytokine uh, storm, as they say, right? So that's the, the biggest 
the foundation of everything is that we're not supposed to be mixing our blood or uh, corrupting our blood with or or bodies with these types of things. When you eat something, when you inhale something, 99% of that gets taken out of the body, doesn't affect you. But when you inject it directly and bypass all the important structures that are there to ensure this type of infection doesn't happen, this type of reaction doesn't happen, you're looking at a world that is sick and dying, you know, from, from vaccination. The problem is these are long-term effects, right? What do you report to VAERS or the vaccine incident or injury report, right? You report, oh, I fainted or I had a bad reaction, but what about the cancer you're going to get? Because you've got a cancer virus. And by that, it means uh, simply that it's something that reprograms your, your epigenomic response, because that's what cancer really is. It's a, it's an expression of the of the genome, and your epigenome is like the switches that turn expression on and off, similar to like a one and a zero in a computer, or your you know you have your garage door opener that only opens your garage door because the switches are on and off and on and off and on and off, whereas your neighbors are on on off off on on, so you have different expressions of a chemical response. So you know these cancer cells. Uh, are, are growing in your body because your epigenomic structure has not been fulfilled in the correct way. For instance, you eat a, a fennel seed. It turns on 60 or 70 different uh, genetic or, or chemical switches in your epigenome. So the genome project was huge, but the epigenome is what controls how your body expresses certain diseases or certain good things and bad things. And so what these vaccines have done has just completely destroyed that process. For instance, you're supposed to get the measles. You're supposed to get the chicken pox in your childhood. You're supposed to get all these really, you know, simple, uh, very unharmful diseases. You're supposed to get the virus because it goes in gives you the reaction because of the reaction, the rash, the bumps, the, the fever, the whatever, which is your body responding to the actual information that's being passed to the epigenomic structure. So now there's all these studies that show um, unvaccinated kids versus vaccinated kids. Vaccinated kids have less incidence of whooping cough because they got, you know, or, or uh, measles. Sure. Cause you have a dead, thing being injected into you but and over here they get the measles and they're fine they, they get lifelong immunity whereas here they don't and they get shingles and everything else right so what's the difference well these kids over here that were vaccinated have two thousand percent higher chance of cancer four thousand percent higher chance of autism this and so you have all these sick uh emaciated not very smart kids over here. And these kids are growing up to be strong, healthy, extremely talented, you know, smart, smart kids. These are the studies that are now coming out long-term because there were no studies to show this before. So I got off on that tangent, but this is a very much an important foundation to understand. In the first documentary, that lethal injection 
I show the history of how they went to Alaska. In the permafrost sits a bunch of dead Eskimos who died from what they call the Spanish flu, which is actually a typhoid fever, again, vaccine-oriented, again, covered in the documentary. So they, this, the, the military health department, which is kind of an oxymoron, uh, went up there, got permission from the Inuit Eskimo tribe to dig up a woman who was in the permafrost, buried in the permafrost, to dig up the, from her lungs, a sample of the viral material that they, you know, that, that, was, that was the cause of uh, that so-called Spanish flu. So they bring it back to America and they document it. The guy who actually did the digging talks about it and how excited they were. They put it into formulin blocks and preserved it. And then the epigenome or the genome project was happening. So they resequenced it, re basically recreated it, filled in the blanks. And now you have a, a genetic sequence for the so-called Spanish flu. Okay. Then they patent it. Let me put out there too on the Spanish flu thing, just a quick uh, like explanation of what you meant, which was that after I think it was the World War One soldiers came back, that was when this breakout happened. And guess who gets all the shots that are required of them? Definitely soldiers. Was that how it went down? Uh, well, they they vaccinated specifically soldiers in in several countries, and of course, soldiers are. You know they're going everywhere and they're spreading the spreading the disease, um, and they said it was a typhoid, a typhus or typhoid fever, and uh, it it's kind of the same thing that I'm afraid is going to happen with these new vaccines. It's going to cause a what they call a cytokine storm, um, which is basically just your body overreacting to the 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 wild type virus or the, the regular virus compared to what they injected into you, which is what happened in all the animal studies when they were making these RNA vaccines that are the new, you know, they had to pass them through emergency use because they couldn't pass them otherwise. Um, so all the rats, all the cats, whatever they were testing it on, when they reintroduced the cats and the rats to the actual virus that they were vaccinated for their body goes into this again what they call a cytokine storm or in other words a complete over immunity overreaction and you're dying not from the virus you're dying from your body's overreaction to the virus and that is one of the things that the you know the head of the who and uh, the, the minister of health and everything we're warning about. Even the even the guy from, well, the main guys from Pfizer retired actually came out and warned that that's probably what's going to happen. So I'm afraid that all my peers and friends that have gotten these RNA vaccines, that's exactly what's going to happen when they come back into contact with the original strain, as they say, or any of the any of the strains, because. It's really the receptors that matter. Or a and new weaponized strain designed just for those vaccinated people. Exactly. But they don't have to weaponize it. See, they just weaponized it by 
injecting that into your body and causing your body to become the weapon against you. Same thing. It's, it's just a form of autoimmune, really. It's a, it's a form of, or autoantibody. Again, antibodies that, that attack the, the, the regular antibodies. You, you, can, you can have all kinds of things happen. So they've, they're turning your body into a weapon is the problem. So they don't have to, it's already weaponized. <laughs> That's the point. Because once it goes into your body, as shown in all these animal body, uh, animal studies, and again, the reason they wouldn't pass these RNA vaccines, which they've been planning for a long time, because it has a lot to do with transhumanism, you know, putting RNA, synthetic, synthetic life, essentially, RNA, reprogramming your DNA experimentally, who knows what's going to happen down line, you know, just like any computer code, you put in something, all of a sudden, it's going to mess everything else up, right? So, yeah, I mean, the whole the whole thing is is this over overactive response that happens in all the lab <coughs> animals. I expect that to start happening a lot more to anyone who's received these RNA vaccines, as does, like I said, the prime these prime ministers of health and all these people who are of course relegated to and their funding is dropped and their reputation goes out the window as soon as they step up and talk about the truth right what's what's actually going to happen there are also sterilization vaccines um people who men who get covid their their gonads are um extremely that white dead white blood cells are showing up in their sperm um which is a sign that you're pretty much sterile um sign of infection in other words and then the, the vaccine itself another autoimmune response to the vaccine so i'm expecting a lot of sterilization a, a lot less birth uh you know a lot less babies being born because one of the autoimmune responses to this um rna vaccine it attacks a chemical i want to say it's called cytogen which is responsible or necessary to produce placenta. So if your body then sees this chemical as a foreign agent, so similar to your own that it attacks both, then suddenly you're not able to have children as a woman because you can't form placenta. Placenta is vital, of course, for the childbearing experience. So there's so many of these types of autoimmune responses that are that are known to happen in animal models that again, the only way they could get this, what I call a biological weapon, you know, passed is through emergency use. Well, what is emergency use? Emergency has the same, it's the same word or the same power, what they call the war powers or emergency powers. It's the same word as war. When you declare an emergency on anything, you're declaring a war against that thing. And therefore, all law is suspended, the Constitution is suspended, and a whole new set of laws comes into place, which are all these executive orders and all these um, presidential directives and all these corporate laws start coming into place, which is basically, it's basically like martial law, essentially. It's just, it's, everything is suspended to fight the war. Uh, war powers have been used, you know, they're used in every country. Every constitution can be suspended and ours has been suspended for a long time. We don't, we don't know that, but uh, the Senate even did a, a whole study on this, on the subject telling us that, but the, 
the idea is that with when you are declaring an emergency or a war on something, basically it invokes what's called the law of necessity. Okay, these are all legal concepts. The law of necessity basically says the maxim says necessity knows no law. So what you've got is a trifecta, in my opinion, of complete evil. You have people who wish to depopulate in charge. Uh, you have people who call themselves scientists but are not committed. They're not doing science. This is not science. Technology is art. Art is opposed to science. So we're not talking about science here. We're talking about something completely opposite of science, which is mutating nature instead of studying it in its natural environment. And then you've got the government involved where it has no law. No law, and you have pharmaceutical companies, thanks to the Supreme Court decision, which is horrible to read, basically saying that the reason we're going to give pharmaceutical companies immunity from vaccine injury or vaccine harm, only vaccines, though, is because immunity so as in, just so people are clear, it means that you can't sue them for damages if right. the vaccine sucks you, you up. You, go out, you have to go to a special court created by government so that your taxpayers are basically your, your taxpayer money is paying for all the damage that happens and it's, it's i mean there's a lot i mean it's billions and billions and billions of dollars so they get off pretty much scot-free uh because the supreme court decided well because vaccines hurt harm so many people we're going to make vaccine companies immune because people need vaccines apparently which is not true and you know, we're going to, we're going to, therefore we're going to give them complete immunity from liability. Right. So talk about, talk about a completely, I mean, what word can you put on that where vaccine companies don't have responsibility. Government doesn't have responsibility. The Supreme court already decided that all this is perfectly fine, that, that vaccines harm people. And therefore they need to be the companies that make them need to be immune from lawsuits. And then you have these horrific, you know, this non-science going on, this pseudoscience, if you will, behind all this vaccination, uh, especially the RNA stuff, which really, it's the beginning of transhumanism. It's the beginning stages of finally being able to inject a reprogramming RNA into your DNA so that you are essentially being reprogrammed from you know, to, to express or not express certain things. It's, it's, I mean, well, it's, the steler, steler, sterility thing too. If you have a population that's sterile, then you have to have test tube babies. And is there's nothing more transhuman than that because you're, it's like the, one of the greatest miracles about life itself is the actual conception moment because mom and dad are involved, but it's like, it's yeah. up to nature, whether or not there's going to be a baby there. And it's, it's like these, these crazy people just think that the best move to play God is to take over that part of the process as much as possible. And yeah, I mean, that's a spiritually speaking, there's so many spiritual concerns in the things we're talking about. Uh, I want to get into at some point down the, the line, the, more of like what it means to I have a corruption your, of your blood. And I lost your audio there, but, oh, um, okay. But no, we'll talk about the what it means well, kind of spiritually to have your blood corrupted. But then another thing that this is making me think about is uh, your seed as like a man having 
white blood cells in your sperm and becoming sterile in that way. There's a lot biblically and in other spiritual traditions about seed, like seed retention, how that has important spiritual aspects to it to not just be wasting the gift of nature. That is what can generate life. And this seems like just a huge waste of life. All, all well, of the things we're talking about, you know, in, 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 in the, in the true, uh, in the lawful context, uh, the no, no medicine, no vaccine is technically supposed to alter what's called the germ line. Okay. So the germ line, if you look up the term germ line, and this is very important because there's a lot of people going around saying germs don't exist, right? Well, you got to think about it. You got to think about this in a different way. By the way, bacteria is listed as a germ. So, you know, people talk about bacteria while saying germs don't exist. It's a, it's a complete false, false dialectic being created uh, in order to confuse. And, and so you don't understand what's actually happening to you. But the germline is your sex cells, your sperm, your egg. No medicine or vaccine is supposed to affect, as a general rule, sort of a foundational, obvious for obvious reasons, is not supposed to affect what's called the germline. Now, if you take the word germ so that we understand, germ is just short for germination. So we're all germinating. Flowers germinate. Bugs germinate. We all germinate in the sense that we share our our information, our, our DNA, etc., in order to reproduce. And we all have different ways of doing that. So the concept That's actually pretty the, twisted to make us believe the word germ is bad when it has it is to a do very much a, like I said, if you understand the Hegelian dialectic, um, then you and I'm writing a piece on that right now about Kaufman and what a fraud he is, but uh that'll be out in the next couple of days, I think. But if you understand the concept of that, you understand that Koch is you know, coaches postulates had nothing to do with uh, viruses and everything else. And even he said that. So this whole, there's this whole false paradigm basically being put forward. And now people are going, Hey, germs don't exist. Germs don't exist. It's, I mean, it's, I'm sorry, but it's not dissimilar to, uh, you know, Fox news is suddenly not part of the mainstream, right? It's this false dialectic being put forward and they're trying to take over the alternative movement and then pretty much destroy it. So, there's there is definitely a, a a reason intent behind this and it is to obfuscate and to make you not understand your own body and what's going to happen to it as they start introducing all this transhumanism and all this uh you know these different types of what they call vaccines they're not vaccines in any way shape or form um but you know if you can if you can get government to put a title of vaccine on it Great. Now my company is completely and 100% not responsible for any harm or damage or alteration or evolution that I do to you. It's great. I mean, what, what a wonderful thing for the corporate structure, right? So uh, that being a foundation of most disease, uh, lethal injection one, I just did lethal injection two, and I just did a documentary called wagging the dog uh the story behind the story of covid19 i'm about to put part two of that out uh in the next month or two probably but um what's so important about okay so these are all 
master classes. So they're by the end, this is going to be 50 or 60 hours worth of documentation. That's going to take me a while, but it gives you the entire understanding and story behind all of this that has happened. As far as the second lethal injection, the main point to take from it, and it's right in the beginning, if you just want to watch the beginning, you'll get so much, is that doctors, or that is the medical field, or what they call iatrogenic disease or iatrogenic death that means doctor induced or doctor caused okay they are the third leading cause of death in the united states okay this is a statistic that was reported on every news channel which i put in the documentary it was reported in congress bernie sanders in fact was trying to use it to his advantage to say hey i want to pass this bill or whatever be president right so they openly have discussed this fact and it's been a fact for a very long time and johns hopkins and a couple other uh, research outlets put together all the information and they decided that a conservative estimate is that between 250,000 and people die a year from doctors well, that's we a bad surgery. Right the they number. operate on the we wrong thing. A little bit of Zoom right? issues, but it's been mostly good. But what was the the number again per year? Two hundred between two hundred fifty thousand and four hundred fifty thousand. Four hundred fifty thousand being more correct, but to be conservative, they say two hundred fifty thousand a year die from medical care. That's not including what we're talking about, right? Because the first two things are are of course heart disease and cancer. Well. Why are you getting cancer? Vaccines. Why are you getting heart disease? Well, it's listed as a side effect of the vaccines or the drugs you're taking. So doctors are actually the number one cause of death, hands down, period. The problem is there's no, there's no code for that. So when they go to fill out the death certificate, they'll say, you know, uh, this caused it or this caused it, but there's no code they can put in there for, hey, I'm a doctor and I just killed a patient and I do it regularly uh, because our treatments are deadly. Our treatments are anti-health, right? So now let's apply that to what's happening now. People are like, look, the death certificates are, the death uh, statistics are down. In other words, why is it that there weren't more deaths if we had all these 400,000 people dying of of COVID, right? <laughs> well, do the math. They stopped people from going to the hospitals. Therefore, they're not getting treatment that kills them. What's the number? Conservatively, 400,000 people die a year on average of doctor-related death. If people aren't allowed to go to the hospitals for anything but COVID-related things, well, then you're not going to get the treatment that kills you. Now, I'm not just saying this is just blowing smoke out of my ass here. These are officially the doc. I mean, again, I'm going through the documents. I'm showing the people who made this is all documented and very well known, except it seems to doctors. Doctors, apparently, with his God complex, have no idea the harm and damage they're doing. They do not take any oath. That's another part of the documentary. There's no actual oath to take because an oath is to God. It's always to God. No oath is to anything but God. I do actually want to focus on that if uh, you're cool to take it that way, because 
that was one of the most interesting parts of the documentary to me, the original oath, the fact that there is no legally binding oath now, and then that a lot of doctors take a type of oath, but that's modified. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the fact that they swapped out the, uh, the old staff for the rod of Hermes instead of the original symbol. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it tells you a lot. The god of thieves and merchants. <laughs> right. And the big difference is actually Hermes is who would guide people to the underworld. In other words, guide the dead to their final place. Whereas, um, what's his name? Asclepius, the, right? Yes, yes. And I'm probably saying that right. And so are you probably. But wrong. But it doesn't matter because it's the, the point is to, you know, Asclepius is how I pronounce it. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Was that was actually he got in trouble as as the son of one of the gods? I think Zeus. Um, he got in trouble for taking people and healing them and taking them away from the underworld. Okay, so if you replace the staff of Asclepius with which is one snake around a, a stick. And you replace it with two snakes wrapped around, which is what you see generally in the medical field. You've completely and 100% pretty much have inverted the whole point of the staff of Asclepius and the Hippocratic Oath. And you've pretty much inverted it. And, and you can see it in the, in the oath itself. Now it's the that, hypocritical oath. Yeah, it's it's amazing, really. But you also have to remember all these people didn't actually exist, right? The oath was to the Greek gods. So any doctor that takes the original oath is is making a plea on his soul to the Greek gods, right? So the whole thing is a sham in the first place. Now they've altered it and they've pretty much removed God from the from the the oath, even though by law all oaths are taken to God. There is no other kind of oath, which is why the Bible says take no oaths, take no false oaths. One of the things they added was the the ability to take a life, right? Isn't that something that they said in there? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, abortion, you know, never allow an abortion as a doctor. Never uh, use medicine if you can use food to heal. Never do any of the things that doctors do today. It's really amazing to see how that has been altered. And of course, who altered it? One of the things I'm going to cover heavily in the next lethal injection is the university system, because all this comes from the university system. The university system is where eugenics came from. In fact, Harvard and several of the big universities have apologized for their place in eugenics. They took it to Hitler and Hitler did what he did with it. It started in America in the university system. So, and eugenics is also not a white thing. Every culture, every uh, ethnicity, if you will, has its own eugenics plan or program. There's black, there's white, there's, you know, German. German actually means germane or pure. That's the term, what it means. Um, There's, uh, you know, Arabs. They're all involved in eugenics which you know if you look at it altruistically would be the improvement of the race the race means family racism is a whole nother subject but if you really want to understand why they're promoting racism so much it's because that's how you that's how you induce fascism 
racism is essentially code word for fascism. And if you want to understand that, just go back, look at the etymology, look at the, the way fasc- racism was used in different fascist countries, and you'll understand uh, something else I need to write about. But race means family. So eugenics, basically, when you say it's race, race, racial improvement, it really means your family. So if they can get you to be race or, or uh, non-racist, what they're really saying is no family values. You don't, you don't look at your family any more than you would look at anybody, right? In other words, you, you're not going to leave anything to your family, right? You're not going to – everything in our society has always been based on family, family values, leaving – well, that's the term race. That's what it means. So they're attacking the family unit by attacking this word race and then giving us the wrong impression of what that word actually means. And yet having like having a care about your family or you're like not thinking that your ancestors were all via despicable scum for one reason or another, you know, maybe thinking that they were mostly doing the best they could with what they had, just like you're trying to do (laughs) all that is not cool anymore. And uh, it means that you're, a racist if you have any level of positive thoughts about your own family. And like you said, it has to do with inheritance. Most people don't even know back further than maybe their great grandparents in terms of genealogy, the um, BLM group, their leaders were posting all kinds of stuff about like, we're going to destroy everything about the nuclear family. That's actually what BLM is about, not about actual rights. It's fascism. That's that's the key to bringing fascism fascism into a, a a domain is to destroy the family unit, destroy family values. Make the state. How many politicians family, do you hear of? talk about family values and how important that is? It's really true um, when you when you understand the the origins and the notion of of the the country, what what it was really. Before the Constitution, before the Declaration of Independence, when people were coming here to be free, uh, to form their own religious communities, basically, they that's that was the idea. You know, you're 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 making your own law. You're self-governing. You're you're not bound by a nation and all that stuff. A corporation. So the one thing about that I will say is, in the in the meantime, nobody's considering oh. Who is the actual racists? Who are the racists? Who are the only racists that there actually are? Well, obviously, it's the royal family. The royal family takes their throne, the the head of their corporation, the crown corporation, by their blood, by their fam- by their race. It's the only institution in the in the world, as far as I can tell that runs like that is the royalty programs, right? All, all throughout the world. Talk about racism. That is the epitome of racism. These people don't deserve to be in power. You don't actually inherit the wisdom of, of the original king, right? Always you find the children of, of good men corrupted because they never went through the experience that their fathers did to appreciate or enjoy freedom. They're always going to look for the the way, well, we don't need these rules. You know, I don't have any experience why we would need these rules. So let's just get, a, get rid of them. And then it gets worse and corrupt, more corrupted as the next generation comes in, they're wealthy, you know, they've taken from the public everything they can to enrich themselves. Whereas their fathers would have never done that. See, this is the cycle that we're always in. And no matter what we do, 
at this point in our history, uh, you know, if we follow the same model or the same method, and keep in mind, every president that's ever been president is a, is a direct descendant, including Washington, of the kings of England. That's all this the, the whole other subject that I've I delved into deep, and I have all the connections and showing that Bush and Kerry, you know, all the way down the line, all their great grandfathers, all the way down to uh, Vlad the Impaler, you know, there's a complete royalty. We don't understand that concept because we don't understand that the United States is a corporation run by the, the crown, as it always has been. Let's the, make a tangent, too, here to the word monster, the definition of the legal definition of the word monster, because we're talking about who can and can't inherit through blood. Right, right. Exactly. You can't be president <laughs> because you're not one of the it's not the, it's not necessarily that you don't that you're not related to them because, you know, again, What's the what's the argument? Uh, Kevin Bacon, degrees of separation, all that stuff, right? You're, you're. Uh, I can show that I have a relation to George Washington. Well, there's a difference between that in this ridiculous genealogy thing they're doing now, and and please understand that the only reason they're doing genealogy is so they can get your DNA. That's the only reason that they're sending you all this. You know, they're selling you basically a historical line of crap in order to get your DNA and register it and, and toy with it and make biological weapons and sell My it. My dad did it and it did not even concur with his own knowledge of our family history. No, it the twins twins will do it and they'll get two completely different stories. You know, they'll they'll send in uh motor oil and it'll be from you know, it'll be from uh it'll have a, a family history from Switzerland and this, right? The whole thing is but at the same time, they're collecting your DNA and selling it. It's information. You have to understand your DNA is like it's like the code to your your structure. It's the code to how they can cause disease in you, and you're giving it freely in order to get some you know vain you know uh, idea of your family. You got these black people who are getting a. Uh, who are getting their family history, they find out they're, they're only two generations black and, and, you know, then they're, then they're white and they're, they're just so disappointed because <laughs> they want to be, they want to have that cultural, you know, ethnicity of being black, which doesn't really actually mean anything, right? It's a cultural thing. It's not, it's a learned behavior. White is a learned behavior. It's not real. And that's the point you're, so you're, you're, Losing your family attachment and values in order to fulfill this uh, this false dialectic that if you don't, you're racist. Really brilliant. I mean, you got to give it to them. But that's how fascism is introduced into a country. So we're way off topic, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> we're the, a, we're at, I just checked the time actually, and this would be a good moment to do a, a quick hard break and. Uh, Start my second hour. Okay. Plus, I need to go let my dog in, so we'll do a full pause. And before we switch gears like that, just remind people the best ways that they can find your work. And I personally was wondering if you know of any platforms that your recent documentaries are on that are viewable on a mobile device, because I had a little trouble using BitChute that I had to be kind of on a computer, basically. 
Um, we've up. I have a friend helping me out, Matthew. He's been fantastic. Um, never, never actually met him in person, but he's been helping me. I, I asked for help, and he stepped up. I was very, very happy to, and I want to thank him. But uh, there's BitChute, there's Library, there's uh, Brighton. Library you can do with an app, people. It's called Odyssey is the app with two E's. But it requires you having to use that app on an iPhone. You have to have like the newest firmware contract contact tracing thing <laughs> installed. Right. Now, YouTube banned Lethal Injection 2. They did not ban... Um wagging the dog so that's still up on youtube if they banned wagging the dog they'd have to also take down all those scientific conferences because that's practically all it was <laughs> sure yeah and that's the I mean, that's the part we really need to get into because if you really want to know what's happening you you go to the people who actually did the experiments that caused the man-made disease we're talking about and they openly admit it you know part two by the way of wagging the dog nothing but conferences i i decided hundreds of hours of stuff we shrunk it down to, you know, maybe 10 hours and you're just going to hear from, from, from part, you know, the first second, it's just going to be nothing but these people who are responsible and who have been doing all these uh, experiments, making viruses, you know, and we'll talk about that. They admit it. And so you don't have to go to this source or this secondary source or this third source or this radio station or this website. You can hear it straight from the horse's mouth. The scientists who really aren't scientists, but they're the ones that are doing, as you said, the gain of function, the mutation research, and then it's escaping from the lab. And they say it. I mean, every virus that's been a pandemic has been an escaped biological weapon from the lab. They admit it. It's right there, right? So it takes away the guesswork. It takes away the conspiracies and this it's right there. It's it's just such a beautiful feeling to actually know instead of to be constantly bombarded by all these different theories and doubts and things of people who have no idea what they're talking about. And here's the actual scientist talking about it. That is wagging the dog part one and, and will be wagging the dog part two. And wait till you wait till I tell you what's in part two, because it's I just can't believe it myself, but um, Red Pill Sunday School is my YouTube channel and my um, other channels. Uh, so if you find Red Pill Sunday School, you'll find my two seasons of of radio and you'll find the documentaries and started uploading a lot of the stuff from YouTube on my old channels. The Corporation Nation was my first uh, documentary and then my blog Usually you can find all that stuff on my blog, which is realityblogger.wordpress.com. There's so, so much work out there for people to dig into. I highly recommend the Red Pill Sunday School. All Let's free and all downloadable. So take it, keep it, put it out there again. I, I invite people to repost it anywhere they can. Or yeah, if you don't I, like I, honestly, that, it's I that long. Your work to, <laughs> I attribute your work to helping me finally have a truth radar if that makes sense my discernment well, it, was really aided by your work especially i'm, just I'm the happy concept to hear of that. reality because <laughs> i mean if you want to know what my religion is it's i don't believe in anything i i only believe in truth and truth is either self-evident or it is a fiction created by man and you have to be able to distinguish 
those two things. You cannot say a symbol is truth. A symbol is something representative of truth. You cannot say math is truth. Math only represents what is self-evident, right? So you have to be able to distinguish between those two, the symbol and the and the reality. If you confuse those or confound those, then you've got you've entered into a cult, a religion, a whatever, right? The symbols are great as long as you don't forget that the symbol is not what you should be worshiping. The what you should be worshiping is whatever the truth is behind the symbol. When the symbol takes on itself its own meaning, it becomes a simulacra, right? The basic of the basis of the matrix. Uh, simulacra is a copy without an original or a symbol without any reference to its original representation, right? So you start worshiping the symbols, whether that's language or or, or art or you know anything basically sacred geometry for instance remember all of that is just a representation of what is real and it a lot of it's not even technically correct unless you consider it on earth what about the rest of the universe right so yeah truth truth is something that you have to be able to distinguish what is self-evident or self-existent meaning not man-made and or, or what is of God, and then what is man-made. If you understand, always separate them, then the Bible becomes really easy to read because all the Bible is telling you is stay in truth. Truth will set you free. God is truth. Brilliant, but it's been, the false dialectic has been created so that you cannot understand these things because of, you know, the effort to obfuscate and, hide certain certain elements and it's frustrating so i'm glad that you're benefit i mean it's good to, you know, the only thing that keeps me going is to know people benefit from the painstaking you know <laughs> hours and hours of stuff that i have to go through just to get one piece out there you know so it does feel good yeah i know that it's benefited the audience too some people were like yeah I'm glad you're having Clint on other people. I was surprised for how long you've been in the biz that maybe they hadn't heard of you. So it's always good to just keep making the connections and uh, thanks for being here. We'll mosey on over to hour two. check out Clint's work. There's a lot of it, everybody. Yeah. So that was a doozy, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, wow. Clint, I really love the guy and I'm glad that we got to have the conversation about music at the beginning, especially because I wasn't expecting that. And I can see how the work that he's doing and the research that he's involved with is very taxing. You could say on the psyche, on the soul, because you're looking at some of the most atrocious behavior that humans are capable of. I mean, medical deception is going to go down in history if we make it that far and we don't end up in further Orwellian, you know, history revisions later down the line. The medical mafias will be looked at as probably the largest mass murderers on the planet. And does that excuse the people with good intentions that are involved with those industries? I I really hate to say it, but how could you be excused from being a part of something that is bringing a lot of damage and corruption to mankind and to the planet. I, I hate to say that, but you know, 
just because you're following orders or procedures doesn't make you immune to the consequences of your behavior, right? It is uh, self-deception on the largest level, and that's sad. It is sad. I don't like to hear about people getting the shot and having bad reactions or dying. I see people's images being shared of reactions that look like leprosy or something. I mean, the whole range of crazy things are happening to people. I hear conversations. I overhear them all the time about how someone's about to go get theirs and hope I don't have an adverse reaction. And I just can't believe that. The reason why no one's excused is because the information is available as suppressed as it is. I mean, if you want to know, you could know and you could have known a long time ago. But now more than ever, more people are speaking up about it. And it's like somehow causing more polarization rather than assistance in a lot of ways. But so, yeah, it's a dark topic. And I really hope Clint gets into making music and finding some joy in that creative process, because in my opinion, there is no greater way to connect with the creator if you will other than (laughs) creating and making documentaries is definitely a form of creating it's just that maybe you also want to throw in some stuff that is just because you enjoy it i really think so i think with a life without any activity that is just for the self and your individual enjoyment what are you what are you doing (laughs) music is a good way to enjoy your life whether creating it or making sure that you listen to new music So yeah, the topic on this episode is definitely volatile, as I was saying, and I think this is the first time ever that I'm just not even going to put this on YouTube. The first part where we talk about music, I'm going to go up to about there and then put in a different outro that's like, hey, come watch this on Rockfin, and that'll be maybe a good way to get people to look at my Rockfin channel as well. So yeah, uh, if you're new around here or if you haven't caught up with me for a few episodes patreon is no longer the thing i'm really trying to direct you to on rockfin rokfin.com slash interverse you will find the plus content from now on being put there as well i don't have the archives up yet so i know that that makes it not as tempting as just putting up the five dollars for a patreon sub if you do want plus and hey i get it you should do whichever one you want but if you're looking for the recent content and you want to support me through a, a platform that is much better and not non-censoring. I mean, I could get in trouble for putting a link to this episode on Patreon. Or I guess for uploading it to Patreon. I've seen people get kicked off for this stuff. So we'll cross our fingers. But until that happens, uh, you can do either thing. Patreon, $5 a month. You get the whole archive of my Plus shows. Rockfin, you get everything on Rockfin. Not just my show. A lot of other shows and more all the time. So it's like $10 for a ton of stuff or $5 for just my stuff. I I think that either way, it's not very expensive. And you want to support independent creators, right? And uh, in the plus extension this time, we got into more of the conversation about germ theory as opposed to terrain theory, the history of vaccines, why why lawyers and doctors and Catholics were banned from government back in the day. We talked about the concept of supernaturalism, anything being supernatural, is that even possible? Got into simulation theory in the Matrix, you know, I love that stuff. And uh, gain of function, well, I'm going to back up, hold on. Dude, Clint has got some of the best information about the idea of simulation just by looking at the word and what it means. And it means hypocrisy. So the real simulation theory is that we all live in hypocrisy all the time. That's my theory. 
Anyway, we also talked about gain of function research, which is where they soup up uh, some kind of pathogen and make it have qualities that are worse than it would have had in nature. How fun. Math science at its best. And uh, dual use, that concept was also covered, which is where, and all this is in Clint's documentary, so I'm not holding anything back from you, but if you want to just hear us talk about it and not watch his nine-hour documentary or do both, I would do both. I did do both. Uh, Anyway, dual use, I get myself so mixed up, I, I didn't finish saying what that was. It's where you pretend like you're making something for a peaceful purpose, like a civilian application, or usually they call it pure research. And then uh, on the side, you're like, but also it could be a weapon and we can't stop you if you turn it into a weapon. And we're putting all the information about how we made these compounds on the Internet for other scientists. Interesting idea. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We also talked about Clint's thoughts on solutions to the autoimmune issues that vaccines cause. Or Actually, that's what they are. They are specifically about creating autoimmune problems oh i mean they pretend that it's not a problem but the whole way it functions i mean we got into that in hour one so clint's kind of bleak about this stuff i'm honestly not so bleak and i think we've probably looked at different information and maybe i've spent more time looking into just how incredible our bodies are at healing themselves and things that can be dealt with that it's really all about yourself and what what you're here to do and what you believe about yourself and what you believe about what's possible. I think that there is so much ability to heal, even some of the worst stuff. But when we look at people that have a developmental issue from these injections, that is not so easy to heal. But I have heard stories of even bad autism being at least made less bad through usually diet stuff, uh, gut biome stuff. But That's your own research path to get on. Clint didn't have a lot of solutions to the concept. So when I say that that's in the plus extension, it's not like I'm trying to sell you like this is how you fix yourself. We just talked about it. None of this is me trying to sell you anything. (laughs) I want your support. I want to give you extra podcasts to listen to. So it's a gift for a gift, right? But yeah, uh, like I said, I'm not as mm, pessimistic, although for people that are just willy-nilly, ready to put experimental chemicals into the torus, injecting it directly into your biofield instead of putting it through the holes, which would mean, you know, injecting it into the muscle instead of eating it. There's a reason why your torus, which is your body, has got an in-hole and an out-hole. That's where stuff goes in and out. So injecting stuff, uh, nature doesn't make needles, really, other than poison. Like animals that, like snakes, you know, like those snakes on the medical staff that has uh, been swapped from the staff of, uh, what's the guy's name? Oh, geez. The original guy and switched to Hermes, staff of Hermes, god of tricksters and thieves and merchants. Man, I feel like a loser for blanking on the uh, the original name of the staff. But, hey, I can't remember everything. <laughs> I'm sure you, you probably... I don't even remember if we talked about the the staff in the first hour or the second hour, but to me, that's a really interesting thing. You can learn so much from the symbolism. These organizations love their symbolism. They tell you exactly what they're doing through the symbolism. That's kind of a good segue, actually. I think that one of the greatest researchers on symbolism out there is Michael Tessarion. Probably heard me reference him before. Been working with him on some of his projects on the side. It's been an awesome gig. Uh, helping him produce videos that I would be watching anyway, so it's kind of a win-win for me. 
And I bring him up because he's coming on next week. He's going to be the next following episode. And I'm normally I don't announce who's next because I don't want to like jinx it if it's not sure. But yeah, Michael and I have had a good working relationship for a while. And I have no doubt we're going to deliver an incredible episode delving into what philosophy really is, what it's been used for in the world, (laughs) what its use is in our personal lives, what is the self. Man, not just an expert on symbolism. Michael also is one of the best teachers that I've ever heard speak things about the self and knowing yourself that I've thought before. You know, sometimes people tell me, Chance, you put something into words really well that I have only ever felt as a feeling and can never express in words. And I'm just like, that's good. That's a good feeling. But uh, guys like Tessarion, Michael Tessarion, they do that for me. They put my feelings into words. And we're going to talk about whether that is even a good thing or not. And maybe our philosophy should be held to ourselves. That's a novel idea. But yeah, that's going to be a good one. Watch out for that. Um, one thing that didn't make it into the episode I wanted to mention is more word magic. You know, I love that. Y'all ever thought about what the word patient means? Yeah, of course. It means, you know, you're checking in as a patient to be worked on by the doctor. But what else does it mean? Oh, it means to steadfastly endure tests, trials, and difficulties, essentially. <laughs> uh, that's an, I, I should have pulled up like the Webster's 1828 dictionary version, but you know what patient means, like, Why would you ever have to be patient? It's because something's not going your way or you're at best you're waiting or at worst you're like dealing with a precocious child that is uh, doing harm and you're being patient with them. So should our attitude towards doctors be as stoic receivers of punishment, patiently waiting to be either helped or made worse? Or should we be taking things into our own hands? I think you know the answer to that. But uh, I think I'm going to get out of here. You guys know that I love you. I'm really stoked to get this one out. One more thing about the plus extension for anyone on the fence, if they want to hear it, we went like an hour and 40 minutes, something like that. It was way more than an extra hour. Clint, once you get him going, he just goes. And I think as a host, maybe last time I talked to him, I didn't steer the ship as well as I could have. And maybe we covered ground that we didn't need to recover, or maybe. It was a little less listenable because it's one person monologuing more. And I just needed to jump in there and make some steering adjustments. And this time around, I think I pulled that off. And we really covered pretty much all the information that I was hoping to cover. Impossible to actually get into the depth of the uh, documentaries he's made, especially because so much of it is just showing what these mad scientists talk about in their own meetings privately. Not even privately. They're actually recorded and put on YouTube, but like a couple hundred people in the industry industry watch them. But they come right out and they have debates amongst themselves about, should we be creating possible doomsday weapons? Uh, is the pure science just knowledge for the sake of it worth the risk of potentially corrupting the human genome for all time? Turns out they seem to have agreed more or less majority rules that yeah it's a good idea there's money in it and let's keep going so here we are i hope this episode wasn't something that bummed you out or made you see the world as a scary or dark place i just want to bring some reality 
to the conversation. And if you don't even agree with Clint's conclusions, that's cool. But when you look at the material he's showing, at the very least, he's going to the sources and he's telling you what they're saying. We know they lie a lot. And maybe what they can do is blown way out of proportion compared to the reality of how powerful our bodies are. I often theorize that they can't even, that you can't even really kill a being that's not their time. I wonder, because most of what we understand about violence and murder and killing, it's all on TV and it's victim and perpetrator. But in a sense, most of the relationships we have where there's a, you know, abuse or even murder, a lot of times it's from someone, you know, closely, you've invited them into your life, you've not set the boundaries you need to do. Look, I know random acts of violence happen too. And maybe in those cases, it's just that person's time to go or there's some weird karma connection in a past life. But generally speaking, maybe not a blanket statement, we invite our own abuse into our life through our lack of selfhood. <laughs> oh, yeah. So let's stop doing that. Let's stop inviting the rape needle to our... I know you guys aren't. Uh, but... Someone out there might be thinking that they should, or maybe they already did. And I'm sorry if you heard all this information after you got the most recent experimental vaccine and now you're worried about it. I would say don't worry, don't beat yourself up, but start figuring out what you might want to do to detox if you've now crossed the line into considering that maybe it wasn't a good idea. Or maybe, because I, I think if you think it's a good idea, you, there's no way you made it this far in the podcast. So I guess, why am I talking to you? You're not here. <laughs> uh, so I should finish up. Hope you guys join me on Rockfin. It's a really cool platform. Going to be finding new ways to use it. Also, still open to work with anybody that wants to experiment with some I Ching, divination, some energy healing work I can do through, it's really like sound healing. Uh, I can do it remotely. Tuning forks, it's been it's been a fun process to build up that skill set, and I still need to build it further, and I need people to work with to do that. So if you want to hit me up for that chance, at interversepodcast.com is my email address where you can find another way to communicate with me as you see fit, but that's a good one. And let's see if we can maybe generate some synchronicity in your life by helping you draw attention to where it already is because it's always there. I think I Ching is great for that. I've got some things in my toolkit I can share with people that want to work one-on-one and maybe come up with some plans for slight shifts in their daily practices, mindsets, and uh, behaviors that could lead to greater selfhood. I don't know. I, I don't promise anything, but I know things that have worked for me, and I know that when me and someone else get together and reflect and both have the honest intention of finding what works and making things better, things get better and things work. So. I'm going to play us out now. I could talk to you guys all day. I really do love that we're all here together in the inner verse. <laughs> it's getting more fun all the time. Definitely would have been mind blown five years ago to know what I'd be talking about, who I'd be talking about it with, what I'd be like. It's been a journey. Feels like I'm just getting started. Glad you're here. Going to play us out though with a track by Smigonaut called Spit Take. Pretty random one. I just liked it. I found it. said I could play it. So enjoy that. It's going to be a good one. And I'll catch you guys all on the flip. Watch out for an awesome interview next week with the legendary Michael Tessarion, who is an incredible researcher. You ought to dig, dig into his work on unslave.com. I've been on their podcast four times, talking about some of my 
favorite subjects, video games, occult symbolism, Gnosticism. And that transhumantero I did with Lindsay from Rogue Ways, we did, covered that with Michael. And it was a whole different experience because that guy understands hermeticism like few others do. A, a deep researcher indeed. So enjoy this one with uh, Smigonaut here. Spit take. Links to everything in the show notes that you could ever want to find. The episode description's got it all, including the link back to Rockfin or Patreon if that's your persuasion. And I'll catch you guys later. Much love.